Well, let's pray together. We're going to open God's word uh, and hear more from him directly about this responsibility and call to serve and how to serve one another. But thank you for sharing. Uh, let's pray together, and then we'll look at this text from uh, the Apostle Peter. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, thanks for speaking to us. Thank you for having your word uh, inspired by the Spirit be written down for us and passed down and, and kept for us and enabling us to be able to read it and hear it, study it, uh, and to do it then as the ones who've received it. And we pray this morning as we open up these words of Peter from 1 Peter 4 that you would accompany them with power and significance, that you would help us to, to feel the weight of them, but the encouragement of them as well, and that we would be refined and, and encouraged and challenged in whatever ways you see fit this morning through your word. Thank you for the example of service, even from the Armstrongs and the way that they have sought to care for the members of their life group and that the members of their life group have sought to care for them, to serve them. We pray that uh, those those basic, unseen to the rest of the church types of service would become more and more prevalent amongst our church body, uh, that we would not just serve to be seen, that we would not just serve uh, to get accolades, that we would not just serve to, to get recognition or to, to achieve some sort of gain in this life, but that we would serve because you call us to and because we have been served by your son, Jesus. And Father, we pray uh, for those we have sent out around the world. Uh, we thank you for Chris and Evie Jones, the ones we've sent to Papua New Guinea, uh, who are home right now uh, with a, a injury again to Chris's leg. Thank you, though, for uh, the healing that you seem to be providing, uh, for answering our prayers and showing your kindness and mercy to him and, and him not having to even lose his foot, but be able to have optimism to be able to return to the jungle there and continue that process of church planting. We pray for that baby church there in the tribe and for their teammates that remain. We pray that you would continue to make converts, that you would help them to come to know uh, your grace and your mercy to them in Jesus, and that for the first time ever that there would be people worshiping you in the, uh, in the uh, pay tribe, and we pray that you would start a church there that could last till the return of your son Jesus. And Father, we pray now that we would hear from you and that you would speak clearly to us. And we pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again, Adam and Ashley, for sharing. Appreciate you and your life group. You guys are an example, I think, to us in many ways, of, of ways that we can and ought to serve each other in the life of our church. Uh, I hope that you have found the book of 1 Peter. If you have not yet, I want you to turn there in your copy of the scriptures. We're going to be in chapter 4 and look at those verses that Amanda read for us just a few moments ago. Uh, like I mentioned, we have been, if, if some of you have never even been in Winona Lake on a Sunday, if you're a new college student, let alone have been here the last couple Sundays, but we have been, as we've started the school year, going through the basics, we're calling it back to basics, the basic foundational places that God wants us to be part of as Christians. We saw that the one was worship, the second was community, and today we want to look at this idea of service, of, of serving each other in the life of a congregation. And so uh, this text, I think, as well as any other in the New Testament and all of Scripture, speaks to that issue. It calls us to serve one another, and it tells us how to do it. And so I want to, though, before... Let me find, I have a clip here I'm trying to find, lest my papers blow away. Um, if you were not here several weeks ago, we used to have a backdrop here because we don't normally meet outside if you've not been here before either. And they blew over literally in the middle of my sermon. So I'm a little on edge sometimes when I get up here, even when it's not super windy. Uh, but that's why I'm grabbing this. But I uh, wanted to say before we talk too much about, and before I call you through the word of God to serve other Christians, I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves and just hear God telling us to do another thing, 
to just do something on his behalf, do this, do that, do that. Uh, but I first want us to remember something before we hear his call to serve other people. I want us to remember even in what the Apostle Peter has written here, uh, that Christ has served us first. And I would say it this way, that, that you must be served by Christ if you're going to serve for Christ. If you just launch into trying to do things for Jesus and try to, to do the things that the Bible tells you to without first hearing and remembering what Jesus has done for you, you're on a fool's errand. You will burn out. You will lose motivation. Um, but if you remember and embrace the fact that Christ has served you first, that is what's going to be the fuel to help you serve others. And so I wanted to show you a couple things even prior to 1 Peter 4 in this letter from the chapter that precedes it, 1 Peter 3, uh, that remind us that Christ has served us well before he ever calls us to serve others, to remember that Christ has served us. And I would say he served us in two ways, that he has, he has served us in the past, he has served us in his suffering, and I would say he is serving us in his intercession right now. So he has served us in his suffering, and he is serving us in his intercession for us right now. So if you look back at 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 18. He, he's referring back to the cross. The apostle Peter would have been there and witnessed this and seen it, seen the sufferings of Christ. And he reminds these Christians, who he is about to tell to serve, he says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so it is, this is foundational, this is core to Christianity. And you probably know this and heard this, but you cannot hear it enough, that Christ has served us in his suffering upon the cross. He didn't just go there to, to show what an example of selflessness was, to just show that he wasn't going to strike back at his enemies. Those were things he was doing. But more than that, he was suffering for our sins. He was taking our guilt, our sin upon himself as an innocent one, taking them upon himself and then suffering the judgment of God so that it might be our judgment might be removed from us, that, that we could be made righteous even though we've been unrighteous. He died on the cross, he, Peter says, that he might bring us to God, that he might reconcile us and draw us back to God. And so Jesus at the cross, at the core center of history, was serving us in his suffering long ago outside Jerusalem. But then ongoingly, it's not as if he just in that moment served us in incredible ways, in ways we can't even fathom, but he ongoingly serves us. Even this moment, he serves us. In 1 Peter 3, if you look at verse 22, drop down a couple verses to verse 22. Again, Peter would have witnessed this. The man who wrote this and whose words we read today, he would have witnessed this return of Jesus into heaven. He wrote in verse 22, talking about Jesus, he says that he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. That was true when Peter wrote this. That is true right this moment. That, that the one Jesus who was resurrected by God the Father that Sunday morning long ago, he is alive and well at the right hand of God the Father, and he still to this day is serving us. He's interceding for us. Even though all authorities and angels and powers are subject to him, everything is subject to him, we're subject to him, he still serves us. 
He intercedes for us. He stands up for us. He advocates for us like we saw from 1 John. And so Jesus has served us long ago at the cross, and he is serving us right now. And Peter saw these things, and he's wanting to remind Christians of these things before he tells them to serve each other. He wants them to have deeply embedded in their mind that Christ has served you. And we must remember that before we hear his call for us to serve each other. And I think there's some of you today who need to let that sink into you. Because maybe you've grown up in Christian circles, maybe you've been around a Christian environment, maybe you've been in church for years and years and years, and you try to do things for Jesus with no regard at all for what he has done and is doing for you. You try to just do it because it's morally right. You just try to do it because you're told to do it. You try to just do this because this is the right thing to do and people tell me to do it. But you need to know today that Christ has served and is serving you. And that his service of you is what can enable you to serve others. It's what ought to be your motivation, your reason for serving others is the service that you've received from him. If you are going to serve for Christ, you must be served by Christ. And so I would say if that's you today and that has never sunk into you today, thank God for the work of Christ on your behalf. Stop trying to just do things on his behalf uh, without regard for what he's done for you and ask for his forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness for just operating in the flesh, trying to do things for him and receive what he has done for you. But from this text today, where I want us to land today and spend a few minutes uh, preaching from today is 1 Peter 4. With that foundation there of how Christ has served us, Peter then to a people who are suffering, uh, a people who were afflicted, who are dealing with immense trials. He wrote in verses uh, 8 through 10, or 8 through 11, that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, he, he called them to serve each other. The core of what I want us to look at is verse 10, where he says, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And the way I would summarize what Peter said in verses 8 through 11, the way I would summarize, and we'll walk back through this, uh, his message would be this. And I would say this to you today. If you are a Christian, I would say, use God's gifts to serve God's people in God's strength, for God's glory. And we'll walk back through that. But you see in this text, I'm saying to use God's gifts to serve God's people in God's strength for God's glory. And so I I want to start with that first statement and show you where I see this here, this idea of to use God's gifts. You see that in verse 10, don't you? That we're called to use God's gifts. I, I would point out to you, if you are a Christian, that you have received gifts from God. Peter writes that as an assumption, as a given, right? He says, as each has received a gift, not as a hypothetical thing. He's not saying, if you received a gift, he says, as you have received a gift. So it's important for you as a Christian to know uh, that God has given you a gift, probably given you multiple gifts to use in the life of the church. And it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be some mysterious hunt uh, like to figure out what sort of gifts you have. Sometimes I think we feel that way for some reason that man, it's this mysterious pursuit of what gifts do I have? What, what I need to search within myself and really pray a ton about this and try to discern what gifts has God given to me. I don't think it needs to be that complicated <laughs> to try to discern what gift or gifts God has given to you. I would challenge you, if you feel lost about that, of, man, what gifts has God given to me? Ask the people who know you. 
Ask the people who are in your family. Ask the people if you're a returning student. Ask the people you know in your dorm. Ask the people in your life group if you're somebody like the Armstrongs. Ask the people around you, where do you see God using me? How do you see me benefiting other people? And then listen to what they say. If they say, you really serve us in this way, you really serve us in that way, that most likely is a gift that God has given to you. It's an ability, a skill that he has imparted to you, maybe long ago when you were born, that now he's refining, or maybe he gave you at conversion, or maybe he gave you after that. But it doesn't need to be this mysterious hunt. Just ask people what your gifts are, pray to the Lord about it, and then as you're aware of them, seek to actually use them. There's varied gifts, he says, right? He says in verse 10, he says that we are, good, we are to be good stewards of God's varied grace. And so that shows us that these are gifts from God, that they're gifts of grace from God. They're not things like he looked at you and thought, you know what? She is great at such and such. I'm going to give her even more gifts. Or he's great at, he's a really wonderful person. I'm going to give him this gift. He gives you a gift as an act of grace because he wants to. And he wants you to use those things to benefit other Christians. There's gifts mentioned in the New Testament, all sorts of them. Gifts of things like generosity, leadership, prophecy, mercy, teaching, exhortation, wisdom, knowledge. There's tons of them that are mentioned in the New Testament. And I believe that there is a slew of them that he continues to give that aren't specifically articulated in the New Testament, but that are nonetheless gifts he's given to you to benefit fellow Christians. And they are gifts from God. Use God's gifts. Note that, the, that Peter says here that we are to be good stewards of God's very grace. Any strength, any ability, any gift that you have, no matter how weak or how strong, it is a gift from God's hand to you. Even if it's something that in some way you have worked hard to bring about in your own life, it's something you've refined, it's something that you've, you've sought to sharpen, it is still behind all of that is a gift of God. And you are a steward of it. It's not yours to simply do with what you want, to keep it on a shelf, to use it in whatever way you see fit. God has made you a steward of it. He's entrusted it to you. And I would say this, to not diminish the gifts that God has given to you. Sometimes we don't like the gifts that God's given us. Some of us are really comfortable in our own skin and we're really proud of the things that God has given to us. Some of us are very insecure and we don't like the way that God made us. We wish that we had the other person's strength. We wish that we had their, his ability, her ability to do this or that. And we diminish the, the, the wisdom and the sovereignty of God that he gave us the particular gifts he gave to us. And we ought to lean into that and be as good of stewards as we can with the gifts that God has sovereignly given to us. And so we're to actually use them. Uh, I, I want to point out that obvious fact. He says, as each has received a gift, Use it. There's a lot of gifts that we give sometimes to people, especially if they're younger kids. Sometimes we give a gift to them and they might use it for about like a day or they might use it for maybe a week, but by the, certainly by the time their birthday rolls around again or by the time next Christmas rolls around again, they're long since stopped using that. And I think a lot of times that is the way we treat the gifts that God has given to us, that we may use it for a short season, but then we set it on a shelf. We forget about it. We put it in our spiritual closet, so to speak, and we just go about life uh, as if it's ours to live as we see fit. But we need to keep... There's certain types of gifts, right, that are intended to be used, 
And there's certain types of gifts that are more like decorations or, or picture frames, things like that are intended to just sit there on a, at a place and just kind of look at it at times. When God gives gifts, they're the gifts that are intended to be used, uh, to be played with, so to speak. That's the type of gifts that he gives to us. We're not, it's not our prerogative. It's not our right to just say, you know what, I know you've made me this way, but I'm not going to use that. But you need to actively seek to use God's gifts. But who are you to aim them at? As you think about yourself and the gifts that God's given to you, who are you to aim them at? You see this in this text. He says that we are to serve one another, right? Verse 10, he says, as you've received a gift, use it. And it's not an end of the sentence there. He says, use it to serve one another, to serve one another. It is, it is very tempting for us to just think of life when we're in a weird season right now, like where we have to sit out in the sun and it's hot and where we have to wear mask places and where we have to distance from people and we have to come back to a campus that has all sorts of rules that we wish we didn't have. And we, we, it's very tempting in this type of season where there's trial and difficulty to just lose all sight of how we're to benefit others and just try to live a life of self-preservation. They're saying, I'm just trying to get through this. I'm just trying to get my own uh, stuff together. I'm just trying to, to be right myself. And it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that we're to serve other people. More so even in the midst of trial. And to not just turn inward. And Peter says that we're to serve each other as fellow Christians. Not just to serve human beings in general. Not just to serve my community, the society I live in, in general, but he says serve one another. This refers to fellow Christians. He, he wasn't writing to a particular just city and citizens in a city. He was writing to Christians who were part of a church. And he says, use your gifts to serve each other. And so I appreciate what Jake was even saying at the beginning of our service today, whether we're college students or adults or kids even, that we need to have a group of Christians in a church that we are seeking to serve. Particular people we're trying to aim the use of our gifts at. Not just to human beings in general, but to fellow Christians. We're certainly not forbidden from using our gifts to benefit society at large, but we are commanded to use them to serve fellow Christians. And if we are not doing that, we're being disobedient to the Lord, and we're, we're being uh, unwise of how we're stewarding those gifts. He gave us to, them to use for the example of each other. And so I would think in a few examples of this, how we need to use our gifts to serve God's people, not just human beings in general. Generosity is a gift that some people have, for example. Even if they don't have a lot of means, they seek to be generous with the, the means that God has given to them. But sometimes they are, seek to just be generous kind of at random to kind of the world in general or to individuals kind of out there who I have no regard, I have no knowledge at all if they're a fellow believer or not. And they look right over the heads of fellow Christians who may be hurting or financially suffering and the, the mission that God's trying to advance through churches and they just seek to benefit the society at large. That's not a bad thing to do to be generous to people in general. But if we're being generous to people in general without being generous to God's people, we are being, not being a good steward of the gift that God's given to us. Or if you have a gift of hospitality, he talks about hospitality, doesn't he, in verse 9. And he says, show hospitality, again, to one another. So if you are a hospitable personality, and maybe you even work in an industry where you uh, are able to show hospitality in your workplace, and you're really good at that, you're really strong at that, of welcoming people into your organization, welcoming people in your business, being hospitable on the phone, things like that, but you don't use your home to be hospitable to fellow Christians, 
You don't use your personality to try to lovingly care for fellow Christians and show hospitality to them, then you're not being a good steward of that gift. It's not that you need to stop serving the community at large, but you need to start serving fellow Christians. And you could go on and on. There's all sorts of examples of this where we can sometimes look right over the heads of one another and say, I want to use my gifts God's given me to benefit the world. But Peter tells us to use these gifts to serve each other as fellow Christians. And so this idea of serving God's people, I want to challenge you in this season. I want to challenge myself in this season where we are in a weird stage as a life of, in the life of our church, where we don't have a lot of the normal formal ministries going on that we usually do and gatherings that we typically have and things that we host and events that we uh, would like to do. It's important for us to try to not just think of service in terms of formal ministries of the church. I'm part of serving on this ministry team. I'm part of serving on this ministry program. I'm part of this uh, committee. I'm part of this formal thing. But to think organically, for lack of a better term. Sometimes I hate using that term. It feels very cliche. Uh, but to, to think organically, who are the actual human being, fellow Christians right around me? My friends in the church, my life group members, uh, the people that I know. And how can I aim my gifts right now, not through some formal program, but how can I aim the gifts that God's given me to my fellow Christians? That may be through the provision of meals right now. It may be by, uh, and you may need to be careful of this depending on who the people are, but offering to have someone over to your home as we're lacking personal connection right now with fellow human beings. It may be uh, using somebody like Adam joked about not having skills sometimes at fixing cars. I'm one of those people who has no skills that way. If you know things like that, offer to help people with those things. If you have artistic skills, try to use those uh, to encourage people rather than to just draw attention to yourself. Maybe a gift, you may not think of this way, but are sufferings that you have been through and wisdom you have gained through your years of trial. And maybe right now there's people around you who are discouraged who need to benefit from your wisdom and benefit from the teaching that God has done in your own heart that you can aim that gift at them. Maybe you're an intellectual and you like reading and maybe we can't have all the classes we want to right now, but you can take the things that you are reading right now and think, man, who could I share this with? What, who could be somebody that I could encourage with this passage or with this article? Who could, who could I aim this at? Some of you have a gift of discernment. You have an ability to sift through things and, and, and sort through things. And instead of using that right now to, to discern everything in the society at large and try to tell everybody what they need to think about everything, maybe you can try to be discerning about things that are going on in particular people's hearts and actually speak words of encouragement or exhortation to them. Maybe you're an organized person, and instead of organizing programs and, and massive calendars and, and things like that for formal organized things, maybe you can do it to just help uh, people in your life group to be organized, to help a friend who is struggling to, to get their house together, you could offer to be of help to them. Maybe there's things in your heart and mind that, that there's not any real formal mechanisms, even we're in the normal life of the church, but you have gifts that you would like to use and you have ideas of how to use them. Talk to us as pastors, and we'd love to try to help you find in this season people you can serve and think longer term about ways that you could be involved in serving. But you are given gifts by God, and you are given gifts by God to serve fellow Christians, to serve God's people. But Peter doesn't just stop there. He also tells us about uh, the motivation to do it and the manner in which to do it. I would, I would finish this sentence by saying that we're to serve in God's strength and for God's glory. 
And to use an analogy, I, I would think of it this way, that God doesn't just give us the vehicle and then give us the map of how to use it, but he also gives us the fuel. He gives us what we need to actually do there, to actually get places with the gifts that he's given us. And he, he calls us to serve in his strength, doesn't he? In verse 11, he says, Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, that should be all of us, right? Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Who serves by the strength that God supplies. Sometimes I think we like to think that serving is just, as a Christian is just kind of this like blissful, euphoric, joyful, like, man, I get accolades, I get uh, applause, I feel good about what I'm doing, I have energy to do it all the time, I feel ready for these things. And that is just not, when you get into the, the reality of serving, that's not how it unfolds. We get discouraged by things, we feel daunted by things, we feel drained by things, but we need ongoingly the strength of God uh, to supply for us if we're going to continue to serve, we're to serve in His strength. Serving can sometimes feel daunting. If we feel like God is calling us to something, He's gifted us to do something, there's certain times that that feels like a daunting task. We think, I am not up for that. I don't think I could do that. I don't feel adequate for that. Like if they knew these things about me, they wouldn't even let me do that. It can feel daunting. But the fact and the reality is, is that we are not adequate to serve. Any of us are not adequate to serve. I'm not adequate to stand up here. And like he says to whoever speaks, to someone who speaks oracles of God, I am not adequate for that on my own. Our pastors are not adequate for that on our own. And we're not adequate for any service on our own. But we are adequate when God strengthens us. He's the one. When we have weakness and inadequacies in our life, it's an opportunity for him to show his strength. If we just had all the strength that we needed just in our own reserves, he would have no opportunity to show his strength. But it's in our weakness, in our limitations, that he's able to show his strength. And he supplies the strength to do what he calls to do. Sometimes serving can feel draining, can't it? Some of you have lived this out. Maybe some of you are living this out right now in different contexts where you think, I don't think I can keep doing this. I don't think I want to keep doing this. I feel burnt out, I feel tired, I feel drained. And there can be, don't hear me say what I'm not saying, there can be wisdom sometimes in taking breaks from certain types of work. God told us that, right, in the establishment of the Sabbath. Uh, there can come times where it's okay to rest and to not keep striving just incessantly. But the Lord gives us strength ongoingly to do what he calls us to do. I was thinking of this as, as a parent. I don't give uh, my kids all the food for the day at breakfast time. Like we give them breakfast, and then we give them lunch, and then we give them a snack, and then we give them dinner, and sometimes we give them dessert. Uh, the same thing is true in life, that God gives us strength at the beginning to start tasks, but then he continues to provide the strength that we need ongoingly throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout our life. He continues to provide the strength that we need. We feel drained, but that's an opportunity for him to continue to provide strength. And sometimes serving can feel discouraging. Sometimes it can feel discouraging when we don't really see the fruit of our labors when we don't see the effect that our service is having on people, or worse yet, it can be discouraging when the people we're trying to serve do not appreciate us. Or worse than that, they maybe even speak ill of us. 
They undervalue us. They, they ignore us. The risk of stating the obvious when, when Peter says to serve one another, he's very aware that those another's are sinners. That, the, that those another's are people who are going to hurt us at times. That those another's are people who have their own weaknesses and flaws and shortcomings. And that's why back in verse 8, if you caught that in what Amanda read, Back in verse 8, he said, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And so in our service, as we serve people who don't always appreciate us back or sometimes hurt us in return when we're seeking to help them, we can continue to love and serve those people in the strength that God provides because that's how God has treated us. Jesus doesn't stop serving you when you wrong him today. He continues serving you. And the same is true for us as, as Christians, is that when, people, when we're discouraged by people's neglect of us or their, their, uh, their frustrations with us at times, their lack of appreciation for us, uh, we continue to serve because we have been served and are being served by Christ. So we serve in his strength. And the last thing is that we serve for God's glory. Our serving, our serving of fellow Christians, it is for their good, but it's not ultimately for their good. There's a higher aim than that than just benefiting fellow Christians. As sweet as that is to see how your gifts can benefit fellow Christians, the highest aim that Peter points into is the glory of God in this text, that, that God would be glorified. That's what he says at the end of verse 11, right? He, said, he has said to serve by the strength God supplies, and then he says what the purpose of it is. He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We don't serve each other to receive accolades for ourselves. We don't serve each other to receive applause or pats on the back or an attaboy or girl. Like We don't serve to get those things. If God's people provide those things to us, that is wonderful. But our ultimate aim is for God to receive glory in our service. For him to be honored by the way that I'm using my gifts to serve fellow Christians. It is such a deep temptation. It never really goes away, I don't think. At least it hasn't gone away in my life. To at least have a temptation in the use of gifts that you have. The temptation to do it for the applause of others. To do it for the appreciation of others. That pride is like a weed that keeps coming up in our hearts. We have to keep weeding. We have to keep pulling out over and over and over again. We have to be wary of it and resist it. Paul, the, another apostle, uh, wrote in a few different letters to Christians. He said to beware of serving. Uh, he called it eye service or people pleasing that, that we're tempted to do as Christians, that we're tempted to do stuff to be seen by people, to be recognized by people, to be appreciated by people. But we serve first and foremost for God to receive glory and honor. Or that's because nobody ever sees what we do, but he does. Or whether it's because we're overlooked or underappreciated, if we continue to serve, we can bring great glory to God. And it's an interesting phrase, isn't it, that Peter says. He says that God has brought glory through Jesus Christ. You would think that he would say that he be glorified through our service. That he be glorified through us. But he says that in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And the, the reality is that uh, God the Father has brought glory because of not so much of what we're doing, but what Jesus is doing through us. 
that Jesus, the one who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, is serving minuscule little humans like us, sinful people like us. He's helping us. He's aware of us. He's interceding for us. He, he is sending us the strength that we need moment by moment, day by day. And as God the Father looks at his son, Jesus, doing that for us, and motivating us to do that for others, God the Father is smiling. God the Father has brought glory. God the Father sees humans like us becoming more and more and more like the people he made us to be. God has brought glory as Jesus serves us and enables us to serve others. I wanted to end with, with this quote from our Savior Jesus uh, from uh, the Gospel writers. And he said this a few different ways in different texts, but Peter would have heard him say this. The man who just uh, wrote what we just have read and looked at today would have heard Jesus say this years prior. Jesus had said, when there were these disciples, this is right before Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem, right before he was about to go to the cross, these two brothers come up to him and ask if they can sit at his right hand and at his left uh, in, the, in his kingdom. And Jesus kindly, lovingly uh, puts them in their place, and he said this to them. He said, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And then speaking of himself, he said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if that's how our Savior has lived and is living now, that he serves us, then he can enable us and he calls us to use God's gift to serve God's people in God's strength and for God's glory. I want to pray for us and we'll sing another song uh, and then I'll, I'll leave you with a few parting thoughts to, to look ahead uh, to next week. But let's pray together. Father in heaven, we... We pray that you be brought glory uh, through our lives as individuals and as a collective church. We pray that you would motivate us anew this morning to serve, to be servants like your son, uh, to not live life in a way that's focused on self, that's focused when I do use my gifts on, on receiving accolades. We pray that you would forgive us of, of attempts to serve in our own strength, in our own wisdom, our own endurance. We pray that you would strengthen us for the tasks that you have called us to do. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would help them to see the gifts that you've given and see them as coming from your hand and that you would give them insights even today into how they could use those for the benefit of fellow Christians, whether it's in their, their dorm, on the campus, uh, but especially in the life of our church and the life of fellow believers here. I pray that you would give them insights to see how to use their gifts and I pray that you would soften our hearts to give us the right motivation and that we would serve for your glory above ours. And we pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen.